Welcome to Talking Giants presented by DraftKings. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. Justin, what week is it? 2022 draft week. It's way the way too early draft week. We take a, a way too early look at the draft. I mean, last year, you know, I found I fell in love with Chess Surratt. Justin became a big Jalen Waddle guy. Jamar Chase was kind of always like that guy for me. Um, it was fun. A couple guys went undrafted that we talked about: Sage Surratt and Dylan Moses. I, we kind of put Sage in there just because he was Chess's brother. Dylan Moses was highly rated at this time last year. So we're we're taking a look at. A way too early mock draft, and we're talking about some of the players. We're doing offensive players today. We have eight guys um, who I'd say five of the eight I really like, and three of the eight I could really like. So I'm I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it, um, and, and it'll go by what's in order. So what's going on, Justin? Yeah, there's probably only one player, at least as of right now, actually two, because I have one for defensive player that I'm going to love no matter what because I went to high school with him. Um yeah, Bobby Skinner. We're also talking quarterbacks today, which is kind of wild. I don't want I don't want to fall in love with the quarterback. Uh, are you? Yeah, and I I haven't. We looked at two, and I haven't fell in love with either. So, but I don't want to. Yeah, but I, but we we it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter anyways because Daniel Jones is going to be the guy. That's right. But we might as well look at the quarterbacks. It's it's uh it's always fun. It's fun to look at QBs. Let's be real. So we'll do that. Hi, Bobby Skinner. I'm good. Thank you for asking. Um, I'm I'm feeling good. You know. You know, maybe maybe I have some good news to share. Maybe next week. Nothing's official yet, but I I would like to share some good news with the. I'm not. You know what? Let's do that next Tuesday. Next Tuesday. Big news next Tuesday. Okay, next Tuesday we'll we'll share some big news. I don't want to make a whole social media thing out of it. Not a Twitter thing. Um, just want to tell the podcast people, tell the YouTube people, and uh, yeah. Big I'm, news next Tuesday. I'm feeling uh, I'm feeling good. So Bobby Skinner, uh, I I was worried about you because I know how big invested. Big news in an interview next Tuesday. What did you say? Big news and an interview next Big Tuesday. Big news and an interview next Tuesday. I was worried Justin, about Justin, we're going to be talking about new players today. We got some new Patreons. Oh, you, you are you avoiding the how are you question right now? We have <laughs> Kyle Lutinsky is a new Patreon. How about that? He's, he subscribed at 3.48 in the morning. Now, maybe he's not an East Coast guy or maybe he's a night out. We'll see. Charles Robinson, who reminds me, there's a writer for Yahoo named Charles Robinson who... He just does like the time, like the the combine measurements. So I put toast notifications on him for the combine. Turn them off when the combine's over. So I didn't get really. I I don't know what's going on with Charles Tough. after this year with no combine. And then Nick D'Antuono, D'Antuono. It's uh, D'Antuono. I think I got that one right. Justin, who are these combine measurement analysts? These combine measurement analysts. They went to Patreon.com/slash/TalkingGiants and do it. Let's let's start a movement. We're at four a.m. You subscribe to the Patreon for $2 a month, and you get to watch the shows as we record them live. Um, summer's getting, get, it's, it's disgustingly hot in New Jersey today. So, summer's heating up, football's coming back. Um, Eli Manning in a video that, in a 30 second video, he said the word back five times, and um, Giants are back, and we're going to get there. Patreon.com slash talking Giants, get some other cool perks too, and you get to support us. $2 a month, that's it. That's it. All right, Justin, before we get into the offensive draft preview, um, got a couple little things. Let's do the Eli thing first. Yeah, happy. Eli is joining the team. Woo. He's back with the New York Giants. He is in a business ops and fan engagement role, which I don't know if you guys saw it, but he did a video with Sean O'Hare on the Giants site telling each other dad jokes. And was, you know, it was a cool video. Obviously, it was corny because it was dad jokes. But I was like, I was like, Whoa. What was Eli doing there and making that? Like they didn't bring Eli in to just make that video. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of weird. And it, and it, and I kind of was reminded, Justin. Remember during down in the Senior Bowl, Gary Myers reported that he had talked with Eli and that he Eli had talked with John Mayer and they were going to figure out a role for him with the team going forward. Yeah. So I was like, I wonder if that's that. Well, that is what that was. Um, Eli Manning is with the team and September twenty sixth, week three at home versus the Falcons. 
Eli Manning's number 10 retired and his Ring of Honor ceremony. And his first start was against the Falcons, correct? Yes, yes. So starting and finishing with the Falcons. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Um, I love how they're doing it when it's warm. Um, I even think they're even doing the 10-year Super Bowl uh, 46 anniversary when it's warm, too, against the uh, the Rams a few weeks later. I'm pretty sure that's versus the Rams, yeah. Yeah, so against the Rams a few weeks later. So it's all going to be warm weather, It's all and it's all smart. I love it. Um, you know, looking forward to honoring Eli with the full stadium. And are you, is that, is that a game you're considering coming up for? Or are you kind of set on dead set on the Eagles I'm, game? I'm set on the Philly game. Okay. Um, listen, I would love to be up there, but it's just not possible. Um, so, but I, I will be, I will find a way to watch it during halftime. Though. That will like, be the it's... most energy MetLife Stadium has had since 2016. Yeah. Cause even like his last game, it wasn't like huge energy for that game. Um, it was, that was kind of weird. That was a weird game, you know, yeah. that, that, that last game. It's always a weird oh. season when you say goodbye to people. It's always a weird, you know, all, or, you know, honor the person, but the team's not that great. And, you know, obviously he was in there cause his replacement was hurt. Um, so it was, it was, it's always just, it was a weird exit. Just the last and few And we're going to be three and oh, it's going to be, I mean, it's going to oh, be yeah. buzzing at that oh, time. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very excited for, for that day. We'll basically have, we'll be coming off kind of like a little bit of a bye week because we're going to take care of Washington. We'll be two and oh, oh, it'll be great. Exactly. Fan, and so he's going to be doing fan engagement, which I, I essentially means, you know, doing these videos and stuff. Uh, do a video with us, Eli. Engage, we're fans, engage with us. Yeah. You wanna you say that, but if I told you if I texted you one day and like, hey, we have an opportunity to do a video with Eli, you would be freaking out of panic. I wouldn't know what to say. Me. I wouldn't know what to do. Well, we would prepare like crazy. I would <laughs> there's there's probably nothing I would prepare in my life more for than to talk to Eli Manning. Um and would be very nervous. So Imagine it, he just watches just, trailer park boys and we just start rambling on about that. Speaking of which, we need to figure out an idea for our vacation episode sure and i think i might have an idea we'll see i'll talk to you after the podcast Wait, should i how about we just how about i watch the pilot of trailer park boys and i react to it and we both talk about it uh the pilot really isn't it's i was thinking the first season's six episodes i was thinking maybe you know, we'll talk about it i was thinking maybe me you and like tolson or somebody could do like a, a trailer park boys like review like season one sure. review and then, like, we can give our listeners, like, the homework. Like, watch Trailer Park Boys yeah. Season 1. Tallison, like, one of my Trailer Park Boys tweets. So, I'm like, you know, maybe he's a, he's a, maybe he's part, like, a part of the rock pile or something. All right. Um, anything else on Eli with this new role? No. It's cool. Exciting. nothing ex- huge. Exciting. Like, it's not like he's. I'm more or less excited for the ceremony. You know, uh, I, the role is just going to be like, yeah, Eli's back with the Giants and he's going to make a video every once in a while. Sure. Um. I'm sure that even involves maybe some charity stuff too, you know, fan engagement with charity and all that stuff. And Eli's going to make the appearance, which is awesome, which is great. Eli's always been an entertainer. I mean, even though he's been like awkward and easy E throughout his entire career, he's always been an entertainer. And I think that's exactly what he's going to continue to do. And it's kind of cool that he's going to do it for the giants too. Whereas, you know, and it's not like he's going to be like in the office every day, like, you know, like it's going to be very like, and he's like, he's doing the ESPN thing with, uh, Peyton. With like you know Peyton's places, they're doing Eli's places where he goes to like college campuses. So yeah. it's not like it's not like Eli Manning just took a full time job. It's very much a hey do do some cool stuff with us. Yeah, I'm excited for um, his jersey to be retired. I'm excited for the ceremony. Um, get tickets to that game. I mean, get get tickets to that game. I mean, you should be getting tickets to all the warm weather games to begin with anyway. And while you know while the season is still fresh and while there's still no matter what there's going to be optimism in the air. Um, but get tickets. Let's Danny King said the only way he wouldn't go is if hell freezes over. My question to Danny King is, what would hell freezing over have anything to do with you not going to that game? That is true. Just be a little cold. Like, if hell froze over, like, why would you not go to the game, Danny King? Just be a little cold, you know? I wanted to reply to that, but I was like, you know what? Why do, you know, I'm not going to be a snarky guy who, you know, nitpicks jokes. Um, Good for you. But I, I surely thought it, Daniel, young Danny King. Um. Before we get into the draft preview, I want to say this. Leave Kadarius Tony alone. Please. Please just leave. let him do his rap. So he came out with his new song, International Player. And regardless of what you think of the song, like, like, 
if you don't think he's a good rapper, which listen, I'm not much of a rap new school rap guy anyways. Um, it's, but just let him enjoy that. Like it, it is a hobby for Kadarius Tony. Like, I don't think Kadarius Tony thinks he's going to like become a rapper and leave football behind. Like it, it's the amount of like nitpicking about him doing like that rap was that, that bothered me. It's like, let him have a hobby. Let him have a hobby. Like, I, I, there's so many worse things someone can be doing besides making, you know, a, a rap. Like, it's really like, it's, it's, it's NFL players have hobbies. Not everybody is Daniel Jones, where it's like they just are football, football, football. And even Daniel Jones goes out and does stuff too. But let him have a hobby. Okay, there's every, all these guys have hobbies. Blake Martinez is like addicted to Pokemon. There's other rappers on the team. Gary Brightwell has a rap. Corey Clement raps. Real Peppers, like, I think, didn't it Real Peppers, like, rap his... Like net signing day, like yeah. commitment to Michigan. Jabril Peppers so, talked extensively. He was on. He was on like a Giants huddle interview with Madeline Burke. The year that he got here, the year that he got here, and seventy five percent of that Giants life or Giants thing interview with Madeline Burke was about him as a rapper. And we didn't hear anything about that then. So, yeah. So I just saw people being like, "I don't think this guy's gonna work out because he's focused on rap." It's like, come on, leave him. Like. If he doesn't work out, it's because he doesn't figure out route like you know route running in the NFL. He's not used properly, or, or injuries. Like that's that's the way. I don't think like him. Like I, I I just don't I just don't like it doesn't bother me at all. You know what I'm saying? And if it bothers you, then you need to be bothered by Blake Martinez playing like, Pokemon. Like Blake Martinez is constantly playing and talking about Pokemon. Like if you think that is that going to stop him from being a good football player, and so and he did the he did the tweet saying like you know if you like comment on my raps or whatever like I don't want to hear it and then he turned off the replies to that tweet and he used the letter K instead of C. I saw a lot of like, is this guy an idiot? He doesn't know how to use C. Or people like, were saying. Tongue. Now I am so that ignorant. he's a blood. Yeah, people were saying that that's like a blood thing because bloods won't use the the letter C. But it's like it's just his name is Kadarius with a K and it's something that he does. Like I if he was. Finding out if a player is in a gang is like the easiest thing to find out about a player on like a back like a background check. Like it's the e- finding out someone's in a gang is so easy to find out. Show me your Kadarius- tattoos. Yeah, it, it's just Kadarius <laughs> Tony's not a blood or, or 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 a gang or, member <laughs> or a blood. Sorry, I, now I'm, see now I'm getting confused. He's not a blood. Like relax, okay. That's not why he uses a letter. I, because his name is Kadarius with a K. Um, what if most of the people that were critiquing him were just legitimately critiquing him? You're not a good rapper. This is terrible. Beat but sucks. That's a, like leave him alone. Like he's not. He's an NFL player. You know what I'm saying? It's like, like who cares? Who cares? Like I don't think it's good. Like who who cares? I thought the um, I thought the I listened to all of the previously released stuff. I only listened to the preview of the new song. I got excited. I was like, oh my god, Young Joker has a new song, and I'm a fraud, and I didn't listen to it. So bad on me. Um, I will say here. Here's I agree with you like one hundred percent. The worry that's in the back of my brain. You you refuse to have a worst fears episode. So I'm gonna get into a worst fear right now. A ba- a bad fear of mine is Kadarius Tony continues to find find ways to miss practices and miss training camp time or whatever, and. All of this is just going to continue to snowball, and it's so that has nothing to do with him rapping. I know, but that's but that's not what the the narrative is going to be, though. It's like, oh, Kadarius Tony has time to release a rap song, but he continues to find ways to miss practices. That is a fear of mine, and I think that's such a, a nonsense narrative. Like, if Kadarius Tony's missing practices, then the then the problem is that he's missing practices, and it's not his rapping career. So, but that's yeah. going to be the talking point, and that's going to well, suck. And some people are like, oh, well, he's, you know, not that smart of a guy. Even if he's, like. Do you need to be smart to. You don't have to be smart. No, you just got to be good. (laughs) You just got to be good and not be, like, someone who did, like, is, like, a a detriment to your team and is, like, a bad teammate. That's all you have to be. Like, Lawrence Taylor is not a good person. Like, like, for all the Odell stuff that people got annoyed about, really the big thing was the interview. Because that was, like, dude, you're turning, like, you are bashing your team publicly. You know, like, so like, like, oh, like, oh, when Odell punched that Bills player, it's like, yeah, that's not good. You know, you get fined, but it's like, that's not a detriment to the team unless you get penalized. Like in a very small moment, like it's a 15 yard penalty. 
Um, like if he becomes like if, as long as you are good and not damaging your team by your conduct, you're fine. Like look at the 07. Like was that a team full of just really stand up guys? No, no. Um, and, no, and, and we, so, we talk about it on Bleeding Blue all the time. That was a team full of attitudes and Plaxico Burris and uh, uh, Michael Strahan were barking at each other after that 2006 collapse against the Tennessee Titans. You know, Jeremy Shockey obviously was barking at all, all the time. And, you know, even Tiki Barber, when he left the team, was barking. And Antonio Pierce was a little bit of a talker, too. And he had like a he had like an air horn situation with like with like trying to get the media out of there. So those, you know, even though we hold. Wait, what is that? Uh, there, There's a story that we read in um in, for Bleeding Blue about Antonio Pierce like sounded off like an air horn. And in, in like a in like the locker room one day, and all the media was there, and it was this whole big scene. And a lot of people like because obviously they won a Super Bowl together. Um, we forget how kind of nuts uh, Strahan was at times, and how nuts these guys kind of were together. All these veterans. So take a breath, take a chill pill. Um, some a good little nugget that I heard on the you know Duggan and Renan podcast. Um, is that you know Joe. Kadarius Tony and Kadarius Tony isn't even the type of player that we have to worry about yet about being a problem. Like that's the exact point of this conversation. But Joe Judge is probably looking at Kadarius Tony, you know, and with some question marks that may be legitimate or may not be legitimate off the field. And he's like, I just I want this guy. I want this guy to cultivate this talent and to you know get this guy under control or to keep him under control, et cetera, et cetera. So trust if you trust Joe Judge, then trust Joe Judge that'll that he'll take care of this and that his locker room will also take care of this as well. So um just show up to practice. That's my big thing. I could care less about your rapping career, just show up to practice. Show up to practice, be good, have fun. Simple as that. Um also, before we get into the um draft preview, can you read the ad? Of course. Of course. DraftKings Sportsbook. We say it all the time. Say it every show. It's not only my favorite sports book. It's also America's top-rated sports book. We love using DraftKings Sportsbook. My friend told me the other day. He said, "You get money from this DraftKings deal because we are obviously they're sponsoring us." My friend also said, "I get money from DraftKings too." So it is a reciprocal relationship. DraftKings Sportsbook just gives you money, but you have to be good and you have to win your bets. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook. It's easy to navigate. It has plenty of instructions for new bettors and nearly limitless ways to get in on all of the action. Like I said, my friends and family, they've been loving using DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know you will too. So listen to this great offer. DraftKings Sportsbook, putting you courtside with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in site credits. Pick any basketball team that is still in contention. Sorry, Bobby Skinner, soft spot. Ben, $1. And if that team wins, you win $100 in site credits. Pretty weird and boring like final four or at least at least the final two in the eastern conference like there's the western conference is going to win the finals right um not necessarily i I mean the suns are exciting um i mean the atlanta is really exciting like i i mean trey young like say what you want with that dude he's a baller um even when he you know had a horrible shooting night like he was playing well he's a crazy playmaker let me just say this if you hate the nets hate the nets but here's something i don't want to ever hear again Nobody cares about the Nets. You clearly do. I mean, people clearly care about the Nets. You are dancing on our graves and fine. That's what you want to do. But I also want to say this. People saying, oh, you just, you got to deal with injuries. What a dumb take that is. Oh, you just got to deal with injuries. Like, does anyone think the Clippers are going to win the NBA Finals without Kawhi Leonard? No. Like, you don't just deal with injuries. If that was the case, then how come you didn't expect the Nets to win the title last year? They had Kevin Durant, Kyrie. Why couldn't they just deal with injuries? Like, it's not something that just, ha- like, you're supposed to deal with. You take away any any team's second and third best player, they're not winning. They're not. Okay? Look at the Nuggets. Jamal Murray went out, and they got swept. Like, and everyone says, oh, well, the Nets don't have depth. The Bucks are a team with depth. Take Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday off the Bucks and watch that team be horrendous and score 60 points. Well, I can argue that Drew Holiday, um, you take Drew Holiday off the Bucks, especially in that game seven, the Bucks are actually a better team. So True. <laughs> but he did have a big three at the end. But my point being is like, acting like, oh, look, this Nets, them big three coming together was a failure because they lost. It's like, no, we got hurt. We got hurt. And here's why I know. Here's why I know it's not a failure because 
guess what? We have these three guys next year. If we run it back with the same exact roster, I feel like we should be favorites to win the championship. Yeah. Not a given. It'd be a given we win the East, I'll say that, if we're healthy. So listen, we weren't healthy. It sucks. It doesn't take away any, any of the, the sting away. It still sucks. But I do find solace in the fact that we're going, if we can stay healthy next year, which James Harden has been the healthiest superstar over the past 10 years. Kevin Durant was a baller, best player on the planet. And Kyrie's injury was a freak injury. It was because Giannis took his big ass feet and stuck under his his under him while uh, going for a rebound. So, I I if if we can stay healthy, which isn't a given, we will be the champions. That's all I want to say is stop saying, "Oh, you just you just gotta deal with injuries." Like that's just you just hate the Nets. Say you hate the Nets, and I'm fine with that. But don't say you don't care because you do. This is the longest ad read of all time. And usually the um, the big superstar teams, they usually don't win year one, too. So, you know, keep keep that in mind, too. And then bet the Nets using DraftKings Sportsbook um, to win the NBA Finals. Can you do that right now? Look into it. I'm sure you can. Download, I, assume, I assume you would. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code JOMBOY, J-O-M-B-O-Y, when you sign up to turn $1.100 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice win their next game. And if they do, you will claim $100 in free credits. That's promo code John Boy for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Wager paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. It was a fun basketball season knowing yeah, that nothing. both basketball teams were really good. And that is my solidarity concluding comment. I want to say both teams are really good. All right, 2022... Way too early offensive draft preview. So we're going through eight players. The eight players we are doing are Evan Neal, offensive tackle in Alabama. Kenyon Green, guard, Texas A&M. Chris Olave, wide receiver, Ohio State. George Pickens, wide receiver, Georgia. Sam Howell, QB, UNC. Malik Willis, QB, Liberty. Zion Nelson, offensive tackle, Miami. And then Charles Cross, offensive tackle, Mississippi State. All right. All right, let's, let's not waste any time. Let's start it off. We're going to start off. With the offensive lineman that me and you both like the most. The, or the two offensive linemen that me and you both like the most. And I am starting with the guy who, if he was in this draft, I would have been banging the table for us to draft him this year. Evan Neal, offensive tackle out of Alabama. Six foot seven, 360 pounds. This dude is a mammoth. He is a beast, and he plays up to his size. Um, you know how we joked about every tackle's a guard? Well, guess what? Evan Neal... As a freshman, as a true freshman, started at left guard for Alabama. Now, he, he played right tackle last year. He's moving to left tackle this season, which I'm very excited about. Like I'm excited to see him play that left tackle role, be a, a QB's blind side. I don't even know who Alabama's QB will be. Um, but nonetheless, like I, I'm very excited for him to, to move to that left tackle spot. In the run game, man, he shows up. He's one of those players where when you're watching other players, you notice him. You notice him. There's there's players that do that, and Evan Neal's won them. It was you know watching Aziz Ojulari, watching you know Alex Leatherwood, Deontay Brown, and Landon Dickerson. Evan Neal showed up because Evan Neal moves dudes. He is a mauler in the run game, and he moves guys with with ease. If you're trying to set an edge, Evan Neal's going to reset that edge. Now he's not Mekhi Becton level in moving those guys, but he is, and I think he's got like, and it's not just him being bigger than the other dude and and just mauling him. It's like he starts low, he rolls his hips through, um, and does Now there's a time or two where he'll fall and lean. But honestly, I want that on my run blocking. I want my my offensive lineman to fall a couple times. Because guess what? That means that they're moving dudes and they're trying to move dudes. They're not just trying to sustain blocks. They are trying to move dudes. Um, and if you were to play at right tackle with the Giants, which is where he would end up playing because of Andrew Thomas, like I want you to move guys, man. Um, now, feet-wise... He takes a bad first step, like it's you know I I would always, we'd always call it a, a Barney Rubble step because it's like you kind of like you're getting your feet going. So he takes a false step, but once that's over, his feet are really good through contact, you know, like pitter patter duck feet. Um, and like I said, rolls rolls his hips through the blocks. Um, in the pass blocking, good vertical set. Like he is, he knows how to do a vertical kick slide, which a lot of like college players like. The other two tackles we do, I don't think they're great at that. No. Evan Neal knows how to do that. 
Um, he's got good hand, like he controls guys with his hands, and you know that just comes with with his strength and and serious, you know, size. Um, good hand placement, but would like to see him be a little more violent with his punch. You know, sometimes he's just placing them because he's so big. Um, not gonna get bull rushed. Like I've I don't, I've never seen a rep where Evan Neal got bull rushed and and got put on skates. Not a single rep. Um. His biggest issue, and this is what he needs to work on, and it's something that you can work on, and I think his coaches probably are, he's got to protect the inside, man. He can, he is very slow to react to inside moves. And he, like, that's something, that's a, that's a flaw that he truly needs to work on. And I hope that's what he spent his offseason working on, because that kind of stuff takes an offseason to work on. Um, and I just, like, there's, there's sometimes he'll cross over his feet, and I just, what I want to know is, hey, are you ready for NFL chess matches with a defensive end? Because that's what that's what he needs to show me. Are you ready for a chess match where a defensive end has studied you for an entire week, isn't going to school and doing classes, that their entire you know week of classes is studying you, figuring out way to beat you, ways to beat you? Which is why I'm very hesitant on Matt Parrott because he's never faced that yet. He's never had a defensive end do that, even though we've seen good moments. Can you handle that chess match? But man. If we had a, if we were had a draft pick and we had every single one of these guys on the board right now, Evan Neal would be the pick for me. Evan Neal would be. Chris Olave, the wide receiver I'm going to talk about next, he would be close to it, but Evan Neal right now would be the pick for me. Bobby, he's just a mammoth of a human being. He's a monster. <laughs> he's a mammoth of a human being. There were some reps that I saw where you know I had the same note of it's very, very hard to bend the edge against him. It's very, very hard to get around him. You know, number one, because he's so freaking huge, you can't get around him. You know, and he has that athleticism. He has pretty good kick steps, which we haven't seen a lot of, uh, you know, we haven't seen a lot of tackles. And at least the, the, the few that we looked at so far haven't seen him do. And even Penny Sewell, you know, that was a critique of Penny Sewell. You know, Penny Sewell didn't really do those, you know, traditional kick steps that you see your your, your traditional right tackles and left tackles do. Um, so it's, I'm glad to see that he has that experience. But also, Bobby, one thing that I love, is that when guys do try to bend and they try to get around them, you know, he'll just, he'll lean on top of them. You know, he'll just yeah. put his, he'll put his body him. weight on dump top him. of them and he'll dump them. Is that, is that the phrase? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I love when he, when he does that, you know, cause especially cause he's a mammoth of a human being. Um, he has the mass to just do that where, you know, some guys where, you know, there's a tackle that I'm looking at, you know, he's, he's 305, he's 305 pounds right now. Granted, he's coming off his sophomore year. He probably, he probably put on some, put on some weight but when you're 360 pounds you just lay on top of somebody you dump them and it's pretty easy to do so so um neil rooting to rooting for you to have a good year rooting for you to have a good healthy year and pretty cool that this guy is going to be playing guard right tackle and now left tackle this year talk about positional versatility yeah he's the one per- player from next year's draft that i'm following on twitter because that's how much i like evan neil how about that how about that and the only one i did last year was chas Surratt. And the year before that was Andrew Thomas. Boom. Bam. All right. You ready for my player? My first player. I love this guy. Yeah. I I watched one game of him at first, and then I was like, I need to watch more because I didn't really love it. But then I love, love, love this player. So Kenyon Green. Kenyon Green is a guard, interior offensive lineman tech to Texas A and uh, from Texas A and M. He is moving to tackle this year, apparently. He is. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I read some. I read some reports. Uh, at least that is the expectation. Now, um, doesn't look like a tackle. Tell you what, I, I think this no, is. No, he's an he's an NFL guard. I, or maybe I, he's having the Elijah Vera Tucker kind of. That's season. exactly what I was going to say. You know, he he may he may pull he may have the same career trajectory as a as an AVT. So, um, the first note that I had because this is my first I, I, when I first saw him, I said I even texted Bobby. I was like, I may have to change players. Because I watched him against North Carolina, and I didn't love it. Leaner in pass pro and in the run game. And zone plays. Now, Bobby, you just mentioned this with Neil. Where even when in zone in, in zone plays where he's leaning, but that also means that he's moving guys. And, you know, he's, he's trying to get guys over. He's trying to put guys on their backsides. Um, so in the run game, if he, and especially those zone blocking plays, if he's a little bit of a leaner, that may not be the worst thing. But. I watched two other games, especially the game. If you want to watch a good game of, of Kenyon Green, go watch him against Alabama. He was dominant. Um, when he yeah. pulls, he gets out of his stance in a hurry. He moves with confidence, and he makes the defender regret he ever stepped foot in Green's way. He loves to make contact. Um, Bobby, the amount of times where you can, like, 
audibly hear from the TV broadcast whenever Kenyon Green, boom, like makes contact with the guy, you know, where whether it's the shoulder pads, where it's the helmets making contact. I mean, it, it would be fun. I actually, I actually already made a clip, and I was like, damn, this is like a clip that reminds me that football's coming back. And, of course, people on Instagram got confused. They're like, what is this clip supposed to mean? It's like, listen to the freaking pads clashing against each other. That's what this clip is supposed to mean. Um, so he loves to make contact. Um, good ability to multitask and pass pro, meaning if there is a stunting defender coming around the corner, he can redirect and catch that stunting defender before they wind up in the backfield. Solid instincts, but he also has the athleticism to get there and prevent a successful stunt. Really anchors down in pass pro in 1v1 situations, where even though it looks like a defender is folding him like a pretzel, where, you know, his hands are locked up totally straight, you know, but, he, you know, his head is maybe back and his spine is bent backwards, but he's anchoring down. You know, he's still clamping down on the defender. He really anchors down well in those 1v1 situations. Um, he holds his ground. He's able to keep his hands locked in the defender. He's a 2020 All-SEC All-American selection, 22-game starter over two seasons. He's going to have a lot of games under his belt at interior offensive lineman, and he may even have a season where he's going to be a left tackle this year too. So Kenyon Green, hard hitter, athletic guy, um, gets out of his stance pretty fast, smart player as well. Um, there's nothing really that you kind of – nothing really you can hate about his game as of right now. Quick out of his stance, like the first thing you notice, like, okay, wide, sturdy base while still being able to move his feet. Like that's that's like the first thing you know, and he's like his hand placement is, is beautiful. Um, critiques. This is what here. Let me let me do a couple critiques. He lays people out when he pulls. He pancakes them, but he's kind of sucks at at getting to where he's supposed to be. Like if he's trying to kick out a guy, it's like almost like he blocks him like he's a lead blocker. Like he needs to learn how to like put his head on the right side and, and hit that player on the right side. Like you know, you can't just knock dudes out. Like. You gotta if you're kicking him out, kick him out. If That's so fun though. Lead him. So fun though. You're poo pooing. But you can on do fun. that as a kick out. Blo- like it, there was just times where. Oh, someone having a party? Go yell at him. Man, that's loud. Yeah. Oh. Driving by and everything. Um, what was I saying? Um, you were talking about you were pu- pulling on a Kenyon Green and, and how he how he doesn't pull very well or not how he just... well I'll say versus Alabama now okay here's what I'm saying credit to Alabama they teach their edge players that when they're pulling to spill and get inside so it was a little bit of that but it's like you gotta do a better job getting in you know inside on those kickout blocks and in pass pro he's a great pass blocker but when he's not covered and doesn't have immediate work I want him to get back further. And that's like that's extremely coachable. You know, that's not necessarily even a him thing. It's more a coaching thing. Get back because even like you said, he picks up stunts well, but sometimes he does it because because he's just not back far enough to where it's like he reacts, he sees it, but it's like he just doesn't have the angle to win that. Or, or you know, so those would be my two critiques. But besides that, man, I mean, if Matt, P- so if if like I said, if we're you know if we're picking somebody right now, if Matt Parrott turns out to be really good and we liked him, then Kenyon Green would become the guy like just Yeah. Actually, Evan Neal played guard, so never mind. Evan Neal would still be it. But Kenyon Green, I really like him at guard. Um, he's, he's an, ex- he's, you know, he's one of the few guards that are exciting to watch, even though I get excited. About yeah. that type of I stuff. mean, with our, with our second first round pick this year, Bobby Skinner, you know, there's a good chance that we were going to be picking after 20 and I'm talking because the New York football giants are going to be making the playoffs. You know, so there's a good chance that the, that a guard could fall. You know, maybe this maybe guy. Maybe we draft Evan Neal and Kenyon Green. Maybe this guy, you know, Kenyon Green isn't as good as AVT and he's not as highly scouted, which I would still, I you know, there's still a year full of tape that he needs to put on, you know, put on put on display. Uh, but I would certainly say Elijah Vera Tucker's a, a better guard than Kenyon Green, um, even at this point. I'll say Elijah Vera Tucker's tuckle, tackle tape is what got me like, okay, like, you know, he, he's, he got better. You know, yeah. like if you just go off his junior guard tape, I wasn't like, it's like, okay, he got, he made some, some real improvement. Yeah. You know, so. so maybe Kenya Green with our, with our playoff first round pick that the Giants are going to have next year. And then we'll, yep. we'll see what happens with the, with the first overall pick from the Bears. Evan so. Neal with the Bears pick, uh, Kenyon Green with the Giants pick. How about that? There you go. All right. Let's talk about some wide receivers. And I know we got wide receivers, but you know what? A lot of things we say that isn't, isn't going to happen ends up happening. 
Wide receiver Ohio State, Chris Olave, six foot one, 188 pounds. In 2020, in only seven games for Ohio State, he had 50 catches, 729 yards, and seven touchdowns. The year before that, he had 48, 840, and 12. He is like a flawless route runner. Now, Ohio State has another wide receiver I haven't watched, but everyone says he's like, you know, good or or maybe better. But I watched Olave, man, and I really like this guy. He would be like the fourth wide receiver. Like, if I just put through him in this past draft class, he would be wide receiver four for me after... Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, and uh, Jamar Chase. Um, better than Diami. Yeah. Better than, you know, Kadarius, better than, you know, Marsh. Like, yeah, Chris Olave definitely would be. His releases off the line of scrimmage, and that's something I've been, like, trying to learn more about, his wide receiver releases this offseason. They are so quick and flawless coming off the line. It's beautiful. And that transforms into route running. I mean, his route running is so subtle and perfect. And, like he's just smooth, man. It's like he, it's like he's not even cutting. It's just like he's gliding out there, like the way he goes. And he's got that, he's got that speed to go with it. Um, and he just understands run, route running, whether it's getting in a cornerback's blind spot, like getting in a cornerback's blind spot and turning a double move off of that, or or you know stacking that wide receiver. And he's got good, like good accelerations. Like I said, zero zero to sixty to get on the get off. Um, comes back to the ball at all times. There's anything I wanted to critique in his route running is maybe on outbreaking routes to to not round it as much. But besides that, I mean, it's pretty damn beautiful. Like in zone coverage, he doesn't cover himself. He knows how to slow play stuff and, and find the holes in it, which a lot of college receivers don't. They're just go, 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 and they have to learn that later on. Um, especially like, you know, the the top guys. Um, here's what I'll say. He can climb the ladder. He can get up there and jump. But sometimes he has trouble catching the ball through contact. Where it's like it'll hit his hands and he'll have like this like, oh, this is about to be a spectacular catch. And he just kind of doesn't catch it through contact. Um, so that that would be the that would be like the one thing. It's like he could get up there and get it, but it's like you gotta bring that dope ball back down more. And if you watch him, you'll you'll see some of that things. And here's a critique that ne- that isn't his fault. He has like no, at least in the games I watched, he has like no experience for his press man coverage. Like oh, yeah, they're, they're, always, they're always playing back and against and the, Ohio State, yeah. But even Ohio State, when they would get press man coverage, they would run the ball. You know, it's like, oh, here's a nice press man rep, and then they would run the ball every single time. So that's the frustration is like, it's kind of the beauty of the SEC. It's like, well, if you want to find out about a wide receiver, just watch him play versus Georgia and press man. Yeah. Like, that was the beautiful beauty of watching Waddle and Devontae Smith. It's like, all right, you can just watch them versus... Eric Stokes and Tyson Campbell play press man all game. Like yep. you'll find out a lot about these dudes. Uh, and I was a big Eric Stokes fan. Uh, so it's just, it's, it's so much tougher to judge a wide receiver versus that compared to like the, you know, even not even like press man, just like close tight, like from the line of scrimmage coverage. Like that's why I had such a trouble. Like that's why I'm not in love with Elijah Moore, by the way. It's like, man, like, a lot of his production was just scheme related, and he had some, you know, some awesome plays. But it's like, it's just like, I never got to see that guy just play man, versus man coverage and, and try and just win one on one. You know, it was just like he was just wide open at all times, and it wasn't necessarily just because he was good. It was because of the Lane Kiffin scheme he had at Ole Miss. Yeah, and that's always been the critique of um, Ohio State. I, I feel like no matter kind of like but where Terry McLaurin had it, and I fell in love with Terry, and I, I'm. I love Chris Olave in the same way that I like Terry. Yeah, and I was going to say, you know, Terry McLaurin is obviously an exception to that. Bobby, let's let's just break down basic, like, box score, you know, college football reference numbers here. Because I don't know if you said them. But 2019, he had a really good year. 13 games, 48 catches, 840 yards, 17.5 yards per catch, big play, 12 touchdowns. That's really good. But then listen to the year that, you know, he was having, but then, you know, the Big Ten, obviously, their season was nearly cut in half because that's just how the Big Ten went this year. In seven games, he had 50 catches, 729 yards, 14.6 yards per catch, which that tells me that, you know, if you're bringing down that 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 uh, that yards per catch a little bit, that maybe means that you're utilizing the route tree a little bit more, and then seven touchdowns. I mean, Bobby, 50 catches in seven games, he, he was going to have... Seven catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown in a game. He, and he was going to have... A, I forget his name, Garrett Wilson, maybe, who's like another really beastly wide receiver on the other side. He was going to have 75... Uh, he was going to have probably 75 catches to total this year if, yeah, if they played a full schedule. you think about that. Two of those, like the big... You, talk, you mentioned the Big Ten not playing. 
two of those seven were versus Clemson and Alabama. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um, and he was a beast versus Clemson. Like, he was, you know, as impressive as Justin Fields was in that game, so was Chris Olave. Yeah. All right. Next. All right. Wide receiver two. George Pickens, wide receiver from Georgia. George. He's one of those guys before you get started uh-huh. that, like, his first game I was watching Georgia, and I was like, who is this true freshman George Pickens? All right. Go ahead. George Pickens from Georgia. George from Georgia. Hello, George. Um, I'll just read some of his stats first. Um, it, it's labeled on College fo- Pro Football Reference that you know, I, I even say it's not College Pro Football Reference. It's just College Football Reference. George Pickens is 6'3", 200 pounds. He is not 6'3". I will tell you that much. There's another website. I don't know. He looks big. He looks like he might be. There's another website. He's probably 6'2". I, I was going to say there's another website that lists him as 6'0". I think he is somewhere between 6'0 and 6'3". So if we want to settle on 6'2", I'm willing to settle on 6'2". Well, remember when you were using college football reference and I was using combine numbers in 2020. And every time you'd list a guy's height and I'd be like, actually, he's an inch shorter. So let's just say he's six foot two. Let's just I I, I like that. I, I'm willing to compromise on that. So it looks like it. So uh, it's not like he's like like Rashad Bateman, where it's like this dude is not as big as they say he is. Twelve games in 2019, 49 catches, 727 yards, 15 yards per catch, eight touchdowns. 2020, he played eight games, so a couple games less. 36 catches, 513 yards, 14.3 yards per catch, and six touchdowns. So. My overall thoughts on him as a player. Well, here's the first thing: he tore his ACL in spring practice this year. So I think part of the reason, part of the reason why we are talking about him now is, like, I figured should we take him off the list? No, let's keep him on because odds are we're the game tape that we have right now. It's going to be fresh on our minds. So let's just watch him and talk about him now, since the report, the scouting. Maybe he's a second round pick because of this. Yeah, the scouting report isn't really going to change because he's not going to play in any game. So. He has really strong hands, in my opinion. I think he has a great ability to locate the ball in the air. He goes and he gets the ball in the air uh, very well. Um, an overall aggressive football player. I'll get to that. He he has a lot of aggressive, fiery tendencies that I'll get to even at the end of at the end of what I'm talking about. He, I know what you're. <laughs> he dives for the football too, Bobby Skinner. Like on numerous occasions. I'm not just talking about. I've never written that down as a note for a wide receiver. It's like he just he has diving catches all over the yeah. place. Yeah, you know, you know how many times I feel like there were some balls last year where fans were like, "Oh, I wish Sterling Shepard would have dove for that." And you know, there was a 2019 game against Minnesota where. Uh, like Sterling Shepard was like a fingertip away from catching a football and it would have been a huge play and would have been a big play. Like it would have been a highlight real worthy play in Daniel Jones's rookie year. Well, guess what? You know, George Pickens, I think he's an outside wide receiver. He's a little bit longer than Sterling Shepard. And we may be looking to move on from Sterling Shepard um, by this time in 2022 next year. So dives for the football on numerous occasions and he gets there too. He gets there and he makes a catch. He's willing to sacrifice his body to make a play. He has the ability to separate in the intermediate part of the game separates on the sidelines as well and they kind of comeback routes i know jason garrett likes to run some comeback routes um and can also win in contested catch situations too you know, like, like i said he's pretty he's pretty bigger wide receiver he needs to get he needs to add some muscle to the frame though so hopefully he takes this year um while he's kind of rehabbing he kind of adds some muscle to the frame um he's a little thin so um has a quick first step off the line that's partially how he can beat press man off the line as well you know we talked about sec you're going to be playing that press man he has certainly a lot of experience with that way that he's able to beat it he has a good quick first step off the line had that back shoulder chemistry going with jake Fromm in 2019 we all know how much i love jake Fromm. a wild dude and so here we go so here's where i get to you and paul detino yeah me and paul Paul detino we love jake Fromm. um a wild dude who has gotten penalized for fighting after a Georgia touchdown. Um, And in a different game, he squirted an opposing quarterback in the eye with water. And that also resulted in a personal foul penalty. So um, he seems like a fiery, explosive player kind of overall, who should still be drafted highly despite his torn ACL this spring. Um, That's even if he declares, right? He's still a sophomore. You know, he had both of these seasons as like a freshman and sophomore. So if he, even if he declares, he's eligible to do so even with the injury, he still ranks highly on draft boards. Um, He isn't just a one trick pony who can catch only deep balls or only get screens, right? Uh, uh, The Giants have been known to love their SEC players. They've been known to love their Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia Bulldogs. If the Giants find that this guy's a fit and he's not too much of a fiery, crazy 
bad teammate that squirts water in other players' eyes. Then... Remember when Sean Taylor spit in a Bucks player? Who was the player that he spit in the eye of? It was in a playoff game. Um, that was Chris Sims' like first playoff game That's or bad. only playoff game with the Bucks. That's bad. Who does Sean Taylor spit in the eye of? That's it. George Pickens is fun. Um, here's what I'll say: is one like you mentioned. I agree. I had all the same notes as you. I think that might be the most instinct we've ever been on a player, really, is us, me and you and George Pickens. I love that. Um, like I said, I wrote down about the back shoulders, the diving catches, the contest. Like, he just makes acrobatic catches. And, you know, he's, he's like, he knows how to route. He's not just like a, oh, he just makes acrobatic catches. Like, he knows how to run routes and stuff. He runs the full route tree. Um, you know, I was even watching some clips of him going against Eric Stokes one-on-one in practice, and he was winning. And he knows how to use the, he knows how to use the sideline. He is a, as a true blue um, uh, true blue outside wide receiver. Um, it was Michael Pittman, the running back. He spit in his eye. Oh, cool. I think. Yeah. Not, maybe not in his eye, but like in his face. Um, could it be a blessing in disguise this torn ACL? Because we're probably not going to take a wide receiver in the first round next year. But if there's a George Pickens guy in there in the second round, I could see the Giants being like, let's, like Daniel Jones had a good year, let's make it even better. Let's get a let's get another dude out on the outside. Yeah, because odds are, I mean, Str- Sterling Shepard probably is not. The argument to that would be though Slayton, Tony, and Galdi. Yeah, so it would have yeah. to, you'd have to be. It would have to be Slayton doesn't like live up to his expectations, right? Too. You know, so it would have to be Shep moves on and Slayton doesn't live up to his expectations for right. that to happen. Um, but hey, second round picks, you get a guy like Pickens, even if you know. So, listen, we're not going to predict what's going to happen with the entire Giants team uh, next year. So, I, I, I like George Pickens. So, we're talking about how we can't predict what's going to happen with the entire team. Well, we don't know exactly what's going to happen with Daniel Jones. He's got weapons. It's time for him to, to win some games. So, let's talk about the QBs a little bit. I've been watching this guy since his first game. Like, his first game, I was like, dude, this guy's an NFL QB. Um and I kind of like fell in love with him a little bit. I'm a little out. Of, I'm not in love with him anymore. I I think he still needs some to prove some stuff. But it's Sam Howell, quarterback out of UNC. Everyone says they remind he reminds him of Baker Mayfield, and I definitely see that. He's six foot one, two twenty five. As a true freshman, he completed sixty one percent of his passes, eight point six yards per attempt, thirty eight touchdowns, seven interceptions. In two thousand twenty, he he upgraded his completion percentage all the way up to sixty eight percent. Had 10.3 yards per attempt, 30 touchdowns and 7 interceptions. Um, the thing that I loved about him, and it's something that I really love about Daniel Jones too, is his ball placement. Like his ball placement downfield and accuracy all over the field is really good for Sam Howell. Like that's why he has, you know, those big plays is because he had some wide receivers, which I want to talk about. Um, and he, he is more of a touch thrower. You know, he's not... He's not putting a ball in a laser. He's got he's got he's got arm strength. He's got NFL arm strength, but he doesn't have like that laser Josh Allen arm. Um, so he has a touch throw on those deeper passes, but his accuracy is beautiful. And like I said, his arm strength is good, not great. Um, pocket manipulation and feel for the pocket is really good. Like he knows when to get out of the pocket, when to move it around. Um, so he has really good feel for that. What I will say with that though is he loses his accuracy a little bit on that. Like he'll have some bad passes when he gets out and he's on the move, or you know he'll, or sometimes he, you know, and there is times where he'll leave a little too early, where it's like, did you stick stick in the puck for another half second? You had someone a, a window opening up, um, but that's that's stuff that that you get, you know, you work on at the quarterback position. He, does he also uh, get? He gets pretty nailed too, doesn't he? Yeah, he's gotten lit up a few times, but that's part of that big play offense, and it's why it's kind of why I like Sam Howell. Like that's another thing about him. You know, with Jones, like he's not afraid to take a hit. He'll look down the pipe and, and deliver a ball while taking taking a hit. Um, not really a good athlete. You know, he can mo- get out and move, but he's not. He's just not a good athlete. You know, um, you know, to compare to today's NFL quarterbacks, um, especially compared to the guy you're going to talk about. His footwork is iffy. Like it's inconsistent. Like it's 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 wor- Like you can see it's like, hey, it just needs to be worked on and get better at. And that's something I'm going to be looking for this year. Um, like it's not, it's not dreadful, but there's times where it's like your footwork could be a little better here. Um, throwing mechanics, like his arm throw. And that's another thing. That's like, you know, the first game I saw him, it wasn't like he lit the game up. It was like his throwing mechanics are beautiful. Like the way his quick release out of the arm, like it's, I, I love that stuff. Um, here's what I'll say. I, I think Sam Howell can 
proof that he's the guy this year, or he could be the guy who is like, wow, we looked at him as a first-round QB. Because he's losing a lot of guys. He's losing De'Ami Brown, who was, you know, the number one, you know, deep ball guy in college football last year. He's losing, you know, even Daz Newsom, who's a good slot receiver. And the running backs, you know. Javante Williams and Michael Carter, he's losing both those guys. So, I like Sam Howell a lot. I think he's got some stuff to prove. Um, some people say he's part of, you know, he's a, a system QB. I don't think that. Um, but he's, he's got a year to prove. But I, I like Sam Howell. Don't love him like him. But I could love him if we if Jones doesn't work out and we're looking at QBs and he has a good year. It's funny. I, I, I Now, I just watched a couple minutes of, of QB school with Sam Howell. Now, this was at least talking about the previous year. And he was talking about his footwork, how, like, oh, this is, for a freshman, this is some of the best footwork I've ever seen. And because something that is going to connect... Sam Howell and Malik Willis, who was my quarterback, you know, we'll even just start at the connection right now. Malik Willis, quarterback out of Liberty. Um, they're, 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 I feel like they're the polar opposites. Now, I actually think Howell's footwork is kind of solid, where he's not really crossing his, his feet. You know, uh, the phrase that JT O'Sullivan says all the time is clicking the heels. He's not really clicking the heels where, he, you know, you, you see Peyton Manning, right? I feel like Peyton Manning is, uh, you know, he's a, he's a pretty good, telltale good example of yeah that's why i said it's if like daniel jones footwork is like really it's beautiful yeah but with howell it's like there's times where it's like you kind of got lazy on this play with your foot okay you know well so it's not like he's in like 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 i i just it's just sometimes i notice it's like dude you're you got your feet like next to each other and you're standing straight up in the pocket Howell also goes through his progressions uh, too, which um, I I at least uh, I'm not a quarterback evaluator, but I like that seeing that out of a college uh, out of a college QB. It's like you're going to be expected to do that in the pros. Can you do it at the college level? And I think he's done a little bit too. So we'll move on to my guy, Malik Willis, quarterback, Liberty. Um, arm talent and arm strength is special. I mean, if there's if there's just two things that you really want to take away, plus he's a really good athlete as well. But arm strength and arm talent. Um, so let's just go, we'll go through some stats. He, uh, he, so he was a quarterback at Auburn 2017, 2018, but then he transferred to Liberty. So 2019, he had that little gap year cause he can't, he can't play once you transfer and all those transfer rules. Um, so Liberty is a junior last year, 10 games, um, 64.2 completion percentage, uh, 2,200 yards, 8.5 yards per attempt, air yards per, no, uh, is that air yards? No, I'm that's yeah, 8.5 yards per attempt, 8.5 yards per attempt. 20 touchdowns, six interceptions, a pretty good quarterback rating too. Um, stats, I don't really take, you know, I don't really take that too seriously in college. But accuracy, consistency, and footwork issues. So clicking the heels. That's you know what we what I was just talking about with uh, what JT O'Sullivan says. Clicking the heels and dropbacks, feet crossing. Um, it's tough to manipulate the pocket and make some throws quickly when you do that and when you have some of those uh when your feet cross like that. Um, this is probably his biggest issue right now. It's it's his footwork, his footwork in the po- in the pocket. Um, it impacts the way he releases the ball, therefore impacts where the ball is going to go and his overall accuracy. There is no question that Malik Willis that his arm strength is there, but it ne- he needs to be more consistent with his overall accuracy. And one one would presume um, that it, that if it is kind of as simple as getting some footwork things right and his dropback sets, um, then the next level. It can help him do that, and even he has this year to improve on it as well. So um, the ability to work and throw outside the pocket is elite, though. Um, it's if that's what you want your modern day quarterback to be, to to be and to do to improvise and find the open man down the field. I mean, you know, list the top five quarterbacks in the game right now. You know, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. Those are just three on the top of my head. Tom Brady is obviously always going to be an exception to that, um, but just. Uh, improvising and finding the open man that's running, that's going across the field and running towards the sideline. That is kind of like what big explosive plays are in today's NFL for a lot of offenses. He does some eye manipulation things pre-snap and even right after the snap that I like too, in terms of manipulating where the safety goes. I think that, I think that's really cool. Um, has good rhythm, very smooth when he's going to his first read and when his first read is open. So curl routes, out routes, quick hitting plays. He will make those plays and he will make those throws because his arm strength is just so awesome and the arm talent is so awesome. So it's quick outs. Um, because of the arm strength, he's going to put the ball where it need, he's going to put the ball um, where it needs to be in terms of timing. But sometimes the accuracy could be off. He's a dynamic runner, dynamic running ability, yards after contact, and ability to break tackles is there. I think in today's NFL, um, I, I'm kind of getting used to this fact that 
a quarterback isn't going to be here for 16 games. I'm kind of like getting used to that. You look around the NFL, you know, Patrick Mahomes, uh, he's not playing 16 games every year. Lamar Jackson, he's missing a few games. I know he had COVID last year, but these guys are missing games. So just let them go. Let them be. Let them be great. Let them run around, do what they need to do. And I think Malik Willis is no exception. He has dynamic running ability. We see it with Josh Allen as well. You see Mahomes. You see Lamar Jackson. Malik Willis has things that he needs to work on. He has accuracy things he needs to work on. He has the footwork he needs to work on. But all of those guys that I kind of just listed, Bobby, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, they were the furthest thing from a perfect product coming out of college. But Malik Willis fits like that brand of investing in arm talent, investing in the arm strength, and then having a coaching staff work with you from there and refining the rest at the pro level. He's an exciting mess is what he is. Yes. He is a very exciting mess because he can miss some dudes. Like his footwork is kind of like, like it's reminding me of Haskins a little bit sometimes when he's throwing and he'll just flat out miss dudes like by a mile sometimes. And it's, and it's scary. Um, and there's times where it's like, dude, pull the trigger. What are you sitting there staring at? Pull the trigger. And it's like, and I'm not talking about like the most complicated stuff. It's like, you got to dig coming open. Pull the trigger. Throw with a, just a little bit of anticipation that's there. But like you mentioned, the arm strength is there. And when he is accurate, you know, he can have some special passes. And the running ability. Like, he'd probably be a top three running QB in the NFL off rip. Which can, you know, you can get away with some flaws as you get better at that stuff. Yep. Like, like Lamar. like And that's what Lamar Jackson kind of taught me. Because I was very anti-Lamar Jackson. Because he did have, like... Now Lamar, I I think was is a better prospect than than Willis, um, looking back at with hindsight. But it's like you know what, let a guy go out there and ball sometimes. Like it doesn't have to always be perfect. And 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 also I've learned you know there used to be a thing where you know like accuracy can't get any better. That's not true. I've seen guys become more accurate passers. Josh Allen. Josh up. Allen has become a more accurate passer. Even Lamar. Like Lamar doesn't miss dudes like he like he did at at, at Louisville. Um. So, listen, I now I now I did have people say like he's the clear cut best. There's, you know, he could be that, but he is a mess though. Like he has some real serious flaws. Um, so he's an exciting player. Yeah, um, but, but he's, he's like played, he's also only played one year too. Yeah, he but he is the 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 trend in the NFL now. This is in terms of yeah, but the same, I want to push back on that is just because that's the trend doesn't mean you take every guy that fits into that mold. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, so let's see what he looks like this year. It's rock and roll, Malik Willis. All right, let's do these last two kind of quick. Yep. Um, be honest. I wanted to listen to Billy Re- uh, Reinhardt's Nets Twitter space, and I'm, I I forgot about that. Thanks. <laughs> Zion Nelson, offensive tackle. I always got to put a Miami guy. In these, and I got a Miami defender for, for Friday's episode. Zion Nelson, six foot five, 316 pounds. I've seen him in the top 10. He's not a top 10 guy. Could be. Get better, but he's just not a top ten guy. Two year starter at left tackle. I mean, he started as a true freshman at Miami, and he has good like you know like pressure stats. Big frame, long arms. Like he looks like an offensive tackle, even though he looks a little skinnier than three fifteen. Um, and and he's athletic. He's got the athleticism in that. Like he's he can he protects the edge. Like you're you're not really gonna get out out you know around Zion Nelson, especially as he gets better and more experienced. Um, and, and he's got that athleticism to get outside and, and on that outside zone, which is, you know, not every, not all tackles can do that. Um, in his pass blocking, like he's got good proportion, like, like with his vertical, like he's got good vertical set experience and proportion to not overset guys. Um, but with that, his kick slide isn't, isn't great though. Like it's a lot of, you know, feet shuffling together and, and, you know, you're going to talk about Charles cross where it's, it's really bad like that. Um, you know, so it's like he he knows how to protect the edge, but it's it's, it's not always like the prettiest. Um, his hands are usually low, and he doesn't punch. But once he gets hands on guys, he controls them with them because he has you know these long arms. Um, kind of ducks his head sometimes and leans in pass pro, which is NFL guys will take advantage of that. Um, he has a hop step in his arsenal, so you can tell that he's been coached and he's he's a, he's, he's a coachable player. Like whenever I see the hop step from a college player, it's like okay he. Like that guy takes up to coaching and puts and you know puts it into the game, so that's what's exciting for Zion. Um, like I said, his feet can you know get click and, and he could get skinny and, and and he has a high pad level, so that's that's there with it too. Um, 
a lot like now stone he's better than stone forsyth but it was like dude it's like you just don't got any like meanness in your blocking you know what i'm saying uh, like like once he gets like in the run game like his his feet just stop you know like he gets that contact and his feet stop he doesn't keep his feet moving um and he like he just doesn't move guys off the line of scrimmage which is worried um and and with that he'll get shed sometimes so in the run block in the run game he has some like real stuff he needs to work on which is which is why like when i see him top 10 it's like you're just looking at his his frame true freshman starter and has some good pass blocking stats like he's got some stuff to work on so um in order to be good he's got to add strength and pop get stronger and popping if you like if you come out bulked up and stronger and, and meaner then he could be a first round pick but right now if he were in this draft he'd be like a second third round pick right on i'm proud of you that your miami bias didn't take didn't take full front miami's not good anymore dude so it's like i find these miami guys and they're not that great like <sighs> shout out gregory russo yeah all right my final guy let's wrap up Charles Cross, Mississippi State offensive tackle. 6'5". I saw somewhere that he's listed as 305 pounds. What does, what does well, uh, college football reference says 290 pounds. Well, I, he definitely added on weight, and hopefully he's even added on a little bit more weight to start this season. So, he was only a freshman last year. Uh, true freshman, retro freshman, I'm not quite sure, but he was a freshman last year. Um, and he's going to be a sophomore this he's year. He's a redshirt freshman. He's a redshirt he's freshman, be, so... He would- only way he'd be eligible there you go so um he's going to be a redshirt sophomore this year so he is going to be eligible at the end of this year um now he could stay um it depending on depending on how this year goes for charles cross i think he maybe should stay for one more year and kind of develop a little bit more but if he has a good year and if he's currently going to continue on this trajectory that he is on right now in terms of improving he will declare this year and he'll be arguably a first round talent so He's going to have a boatload of experience as a starter if he continues to stay healthy um, because he had, you know, last year he did start at left tackle, so he's going to have two years of starting left tackle of experience. Um, he's going to bulk up. He's going to continue to add weight. He's athletic, balanced, choppy feet, great posture, um, ready to punch and extend. Now, he's not going to punch, like, violently, and I think that's one of the things that maybe he does need to work on a little bit. But, but he does punch. But he does, Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like I am agreeing with you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. He, but he does punch, and he's ready to punch. He just doesn't deliver it kind of violently. He does get like Parrot doesn't punch. Like he kind of looks like Parrot a little bit. Plays, but I'll say the bigger difference is like Parrot just didn't punch. Like he would catch. Where Cross, it like you said, it's not violent, but he does punch. Yeah. You know, which is like something we want Parrot to do. Yeah, and he does extend. Can easily get to the second level. Already has solid football IQ when it comes to picking up stunts. Um, and when to pass off defenders as well. Um, I think he sometimes can be susceptible to inside moves. Um, so needs to get yeah. stronger. He needs to get quicker. He has the athleticism, but I think he needs more experience against speed rushers and going through, going through normal kick step pass sets. Um, I didn't see it a lot. I mean, Bobby, I mean, clearly I think maybe that's, that's the critique for, for both of these offense alignment. I didn't even see it enough to really give it as a critique, but I saw a few reps against Aziz Ojulari when Aziz wasn't when when Aziz didn't have his hand on the ground and Aziz was an edge rusher, a speed rusher. You know, Aziz did his classic hand swipe move, and um, you know Charles Cross was done. But when Aziz Ojulari had his hand on the ground, Charles Cross took kind of took care of him, and he kind of did a good job against him. Um, so had a much better game versus Alabama than Georgia this past year, in my opinion. So if you want a good want to watch a good game tape, there you go. Um, but he needs to get just better as a more of a conventional left tackle. And I mean, he's still so young. He's still so young and only has really one true season of starting experience. So um, he has that time. Get better footwork, um, not being so susceptible to inside moves. He has the athleticism. Get stronger, get bigger, and we'll see what happens this year for Charles Cross. Right now, Zion Nelson is better than Charles Cross, but I could see by the end of the year, Charles Cross being better than Zion Nelson. Fair. How about that? Because the, the Charles Cross stuff is like, I think I could see you getting a lot better at that. Zion Nelson is like, I don't know if you're ever going to be a guy that's going to move dudes in the run game. Um so, so I, I'm excited to see how Charles Cross uh, grows, Mississippi State guy. Um, which, by the way, on the on next Tuesday we'll have a Mississippi State guy on the podcast. Is it Joe, maybe Joe Judge, 
Maybe Freddie Kitchens. Maybe. maybe Jody Wright. Maybe Amos Jones. It's not any of those guys, but we will have a Mississippi State guy on the podcast next week. Um, but before that, we have our defensive draft preview. So that'll be out on Friday. Uh, I already know I'm talking about Bubba Bolden. I know we'll be talking about Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon. Um, so there's, there's, there is guys that we will be talking about. I'm trying to find an inside linebacker I really like. Like there's, I've watched a few. I haven't felt one I fell in love with yet, but I'm, I'll probably end up watching like ten inside linebackers until I find one I love. You so. got to find a guy that's changed positions. That's true. That is true. There's really so little information on these guys though until like the real draft process. Yeah, you just gotta watch. I you, know, you watch. I watch two three games it's, and then yep. kind of break down what you break down some thoughts. Faux show. Sure. All right, we appreciate you guys. We'll see you on Friday. Until then, let's go big blue.